Hello, we are back. We are the Yankee Clippers. Um, what's going on, Sean? How are you? Doing all right, Tom. How you doing, man? Uh, it's late. I'm tired. Um, some technical difficulties with our new microphones, but I guess I'll get over it. We're going to have to, but uh, let's talk some sports. All right. So let's just jump on in some NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm pretty much a genius. Yeah. I mean, your, your New Orleans pick looked really good. I really thought Portland was going to make more of a series of that, but... Uh, they got handled. And how about Davis and Holiday each putting up over 40 last night in a decision-making game? Holiday may, Holiday has turned himself into one of the best two-way players in the league. Um, he was starting to show that in the second half of the season. Um, and I just think he continued that on in the playoffs. And playoff Rondo is a real thing. Yeah, I mean, y- you want to talk about the contribution he makes on that team, right? You You alluded to it last week. He's been playing great. He had that steal that pretty much got them into the playoffs um, against Golden State. And I think he just fits great with that team because Holiday now can be the scoring guard. You have Davis just playing. There's nobody who can play against Davis. Yeah, and him and Rondo have a great connection, you know, between the alley-oops, and they seem to really click out there. And Holiday was never a point guard. Even in Philly, he wanted to play off the ball. And he finally gets to do that where – He's a great defender, really good shooter off the pass, and he never wanted to play point guard, and he's really shown what he can do off the ball. Because he can still create like a point guard, but he doesn't have to do it full time. Yeah, no, totally. And I think, too, is Rondo, when you put him with two other uh, top, top-tier top players, I mean, remember, Cousins has been out, too. Yeah, uh, I think Cousins even being out might have made them, not that it made them better, but I think it made them a little more versatile. Um it made it. It really helped out. I think it helped Rondo, and I think it helped Holiday out, um, because Cousins um, kind of clogged up the paint, and it didn't really unlock. Um, it didn't really unlock, you know, Davis's full potential as well as the other two. So, not that I think they're that they're a better team, and Cousins is a great player, but I think that they that they're playing better basketball without him, so to say. Yeah, that's fair, and I think that was one of the conversations that everybody had had with Cousins, right? Like, he had never played too well with Sacramento, and as far as as far as be playing well in big games, not that they not, had many. Not that you can play great in Sacramento. No, Has anyone but, but played great w- in Sacramento since, what, C. Weber and Mike Bibby? <laughs> Mike Bibby? Um, no, but that was a question when they brought him over to a playoff contenders. How would he play with another dominant player? And they were good. Like a Davis. Really no, they were good. great together. I just think that this opens up the floor. Miritich is playing out of his mind, and it's just a better team fit for Anthony Davis. And the most important thing that we haven't mentioned yet and the reason why they're playing so well is because before he got hurt, um, Davis didn't want to play center, and that is his true position. He can really dominate as a center on both offense and defense with how versatile he is on offense and his um, shot blocking ability on defense. So that's the real reason why. It's not like they're they're a more talented team without Boogie Cousins, but putting Davis ba- Davis basically being forced to play center because obviously Miritich can't. He's more of a stretch four shooter um, is really the reason why they're playing better. Yeah, and 
you know, Miritich, what what a pickup for them. I mean, he he could not have fit that role any better after yeah, Cousins went down. Yeah, he decided to start playing as well. You know, he shaved his beard, and I guess that made him start playing. It's like a new identity for He's the guy. He's all business, that's why. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's I, – I, Miritich is, you know, finally get he, – he played well in the playoffs for them. You know, I think he, he wakes up with, with big games along with Rondo. Um, He's got that pedigree from his days in Chicago, too, when yep. they were a playoff team. Yep. He always seemed to rise to the occasion. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll just chalk it up to me being a sports genius that I was right about that series. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that was a quick one. It was, and, and I think that this is something we could talk to more in the NBA offseason, but I think, you know, I don't... I think that the the Hornets, the Pelicans, are going to be a team to be a force to be reckoned with in the next round. But I think this speaks more to the Trailblazers and the fact that maybe you need a more dominant big man and maybe you need a guard that's going to play a majority of your game that can actually play defense, so you don't have to try and outscore every single team because that's not going to work in the playoffs when the benches get shrunk and you know teams actually start playing defense. Yeah, clear. I mean, clearly. They were they playing were the number so well. Three team and Lillard was a top. It's a Lillard's probably going to be a top four MVP candidate this year, and they're still they got swept in the first round. I think their coach is going to get fired, and I think McCollum or Lillard might you know they might get traded this summer. Yeah, there's a good chance. I I could see them just acknowledging that they're not a team that's going to surpass the Warriors and you ha- or the Rockets, and you know you will get a team like Minnesota could be up and coming, but the team that just swept them. New Orleans. I mean, I, I thought they were a good team, but I was not expecting that kind of performance. They really outplayed them in every facet of the game. And like you said, there was no answer for Davis. Holiday turned it on. And when you can't stop any of those guys, I mean, they're gonna it, it you're gonna be in for a long, a long night basically every game. So uh, congratulations to the Pelicans. They're moving forward. It'll be interesting to see how far they can go. With that rest, um, staying in the Western Conference, uh, we're going to just really t- quickly talk about Golden State, San Antonio. San Antonio won a game four today. They won the one for Pop. That doesn't, that's, of course, I gambled against them, shouldn't have, but um, <laughs> that's, that's, I think the Warriors are going to take the next game. Maybe they win by 25. Yeah, I think this, today I watched most of the game and the heart and desire that San Antonio played with really willed them to that win. Golden great State win. didn't great play win. great. Um, but you just know that it was like a Herculean effort. Rudy Gay could could not have played better defense. He's going to be gassed going into yeah, game five. Yeah, he's going to come out and have eight points and three rebounds next game. So. Yeah. The only consistent guy, and I think we mentioned this on our last podcast, who you're guaranteed to get 20 from is Aldridge. Everybody else... Rudy Gay had a great game now, but next week or next game, it might not be there. Yeah, Ginobili had 16, 10 of which came in the fourth quarter. He kind of willed that team, um, hit some big shots when it looked like Golden State was gaining momentum. Durant hit a couple crazy shots. But you know what? San Antonio, they remind you of one of those old teams that they're going to win one game. I really, talent-wise, Golden State's just so much better. But you look at San Antonio, it was hard to believe that they wouldn't win one game yeah, at home. Yeah, just being, literally being San Antonio, you think that they're going to win one game, even though they're depleted and yeah. they're not even close to the normal team that they are, especially missing Kawhi Leonard. But that one's an easy one. I think Golden State wins the next game. Obviously, they're going to win the series. So let's move on to the next one. What do you have up for me? Let's go into Utah OKC, staying in the Western Conference. Uh, Ricky Rubio, what a performance last night. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, I saw him in the post-conference, said that will not happen again. 
Um, let's see if Russell decides to stop chasing stats. And uh, more importantly, let's see if someone else besides Westbrook can show up. Playoff P, fucking bullshit. He hasn't played good since the first game. And Melo hasn't played good since 2010. You texted so, me saying Melo hit a brick shot last night. Couldn't that wasn't even close. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the exact. It might have been in the fourth quarter. Literally... He was wide open. They let him shoot it, and it hit the side of the backboard so hard that I thought there was a crack in the backboard. <laughs> you miss those days as in, with the Knicks? Yeah, no, I, I don't miss Iso Mello. Not that the Knicks are any better right now, but, I mean, I think the game uh, – he's old. I think he's a little out of shape, and I think the games really pass him by. Um, I mean, the Rockets do a lot of ISO basketball, and there's a few other teams, but they do it a lot differently. They're they're dribbling the ball, they're moving around, they're making moves, whereas Melo's just doing the same old two-step, jab-step to a mid-range pull-up that he used to hit, you know, at like an 80% clip, and now it's like a 30% clip. So, obviously, that's not going to work. Um, and I just think the Jazz are like the anti-thunder, where it's no iso ball. It's constantly moving, and then when it gets down to the end of the shot clock, you got a really, really good dynamic player to go out there and make a play in Donovan Mitchell, which he did a lot. And then on the defensive end, I mean, you got a lot of guys really long, um, can stifle um, the OKC thunder, and then you got the big man in the middle, Who's who? If he wasn't out this year, I think he'd be a lock for defensive player of the year. Now it's going to be a little bit more of a running, but I still think he can win defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean Utah, their athleticism is legit. I mean they are a good team. If Rubio plays if like Rubio that, Rubio can shoot like that. They're going to be a problem. Yep. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm very interested. They took a two-one series lead. They got game four at home. You know, if they could take game four. I think they've got that series. I think they're going to take the series, and you're going to hear a lot of talk. Paul George, I think, is is gone, especially if they take that series. Either way, I think he's gone. And you're just going to hear a lot about Westbrook, that he's all about the numbers. And, you know, great individual season the last two years. Can't argue that. He averaged a triple-double. First guy to ever do it two seasons in a row. But at this point, who cares? You know, it's about winning, and he hasn't won anything. No, you're right, and I'm a Westbrook guy, and I, I take I'm a little I take a little uh, slack for that. I still think that George is a great two way player. He hasn't proven himself in the postseason. Streaky as anything. Very streaky. Carmelo is just not that piece. His name sounds so much better than what he actually brings to the table. That Adams Knicks is trade, legitimate, but that Knicks trade is looking pretty good for what they got with Cantor and then McDermott, who they turned into another player anyways, or, or sorry, a draft pick. But Cantor, you know, he's going to opt out, and they may be able they may be able to lock him in for the next three to four years. Hopefully they don't fucking give him a, an absurd <laughs> Joe Kim Noah type deal. But, yeah, he that trade, when Melo was going to walk anyways, looks pretty good for the Knicks at this point because he was bad this year. I know he shot his highest percentage from three and whatever, but he he's a zero on defense. He literally runs free throw line to free throw line, doesn't even get himself in the paint, and then you just watch a game with him, and it's like, this isn't 2007 anymore, Melo. Stop posting your guy up for 14 seconds out of the shot clock and then throwing up a shot that now you're going to brick. You used to make it, but you're going you're gonna to brick it now. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a missing component there. It feels like all, all three guys it, have not gotten used to playing with each other the entire season. Because if you watch them during the season – is Andre Roberson, who 
couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, but is a great defender. Is he really that important of a player? I guess so. I guess that defense is much needed. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're Melo, like you said, he he's nothing on defense. And I just there's a missing component and I I don't I think it's more than just Melo not being the Melo of old. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of chemistry with those guys. No, um, it's like your turn, my turn, Melo's turn, my turn, your turn. Yeah, thing. and Westbrook doesn't look like he's doing it organically. Like, he'll have series where he wants to take over. He knows he's the best player, but then he remembers that he's got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony on the floor with him, and he's going to start being When passive. he's going for those triple-doubles, it's like he's forcing so much shit. It's like you have a wide-open jump shot, but you have 20 points, and you have nine assists, and you need that 10th. Right. And it's like he he's forcing this this pass – and then, God forbid, they miss it. You would think that he's gonna literally bend them over his knee and beat the, and smack him around, the way the way like if Adams, God forbid, misses a layup that he slips a pass through, don't even look in Westbrook's yeah, direction a during stare. a timeout. It's it's bad, and he's really really obsessed with these stats, and I think it's taken a toll not only on him because I think I feel like he's kind of burnt out because he's always going a thousand percent, but I feel like it's taken a toll on his teammates as well. It could be, yeah. I'm very interested to see how Game Four plays out um, because I think if Utah takes that game, I think you could say Utah in six. Um, yeah, but then OKC could easily take that game as well. And and what's so funny, I was telling you earlier, is I feel like this year more than any, at least for me personally, is a you know a rapid reaction type thing where it's like first game of the first game of the playoffs. You know, we react and we're like, oh, the Sixers are going to sweep. And then the Heat come back and they do their thing and they get a game. And they they're trying to make it a series, and I feel like it's the same thing with everything. Oh, the Cavs are horrible, and then LeBron LeBron puts the team on his back, goes out and gets forty points, brings them back into the series. And the only one where I feel like it kind of was evident was the um, New Orleans series, where it's just they had no answer for Davis. But I feel like besides that, and they won their first two games on the road too, so you knew them coming home. They were going like to have all, all the momentum I in the world. I feel like we're making rapid reactions at this point where it's just like every game, like if um, if some team goes out tonight and, and wins, you know, um, even though we didn't expect it, we could be like, oh, they're going to win the series, you know? Spurs win the next game. We're like, oh, God, we'll go after the Spurs. <laughs> that's how I feel like we are, and I feel like we all just need to relax. But that's Let what sports talk is. Out. That's what sports talk is. I we feel know like it's this year more than any other. But Rationally, next- we know. Well, let's finish up with the last series in the Western Conference. Minnesota got a nice win last night in their game three. I thought that was your typical down 2-0. You're getting the next game at home. Let's see what you can do. They played a really good game. Harden wasn't tremendous. They weren't scoring the way that they usually do. Let's not spend too much time on it. I still think Houston's going to win that series in Houston's five. Houston's going to win this series. Um, Carl Anthony Towns didn't under wasn't ready for the playoffs. Um, Jimmy Butler is clearly hurt, and I think Harden and Paul being choke artists is going to come out further on in the playoffs. It's not going to matter in the first round, but you can see like the signs of it coming. Oh, yeah. And they missed a lot of shots last night that they usually made. Harden had eight points in game two. Like, you're not MVP with eight points. Come on. Nope. And that's where you wonder if those playoff demons are in his head. Um, but that covers up the Western Conference. Um, by the next time we talk, we're going to be starting the second round. Um, I believe... You know, Golden State's going to wipe wipe out uh, San Antonio in the next is Curry, game. Is Curry going to come back in the no, second round? That's going to be. I think it's going to be uh, TBD. 
and uh, they may go game to game. They probably won't announce a whole series, yeah, but they'll probably go gonna. game to game. But now let's get into the East. The East has been fun. Um, yeah, I really like the East. I mean, I think the Philly. Cleveland, the Cleveland LeBrons, they're in trouble. We were just watching the game right now, and like I said earlier, if the Pacers win, we're going to be saying rapid reaction, LeBron's done. LeBron's in L.A. already. He's shopping for a second house in L.A. His kids are already enrolled in school. You might as well you might as well write him off. Him and Paul George are in L.A. That's what we're going to be saying. That's what we're going to be saying. But I'd love to start, if it's cool with you, in the East with Philly. That series has been awesome, and I know you yeah. picked them. They won a huge game four. And I'm I didn't think you. they were going to win that. I was at work. I happened to catch a little bit of the third quarter, and you know, I walked away from it saying, "Okay, um, you know, the the I think the Heat are going to pull this one out because they're trying to rough them up." And I thought it was going to be like a three point win, whatever. And then I look at the score, and I'm like, "Wow, Philly actually pulled that game out." I think Embiid had a lot to do with that. Yeah. So I was able to watch a little bit more of the game. Um, I was, I, to admit, I was starting on the Yanks, and I saw as they were blowing out the Blue Jays, I was like, I got to get to this NBA game. And I saw just in time for one of the tussles in the second quarter. And, you know, that was a throwback NBA playoff game. Yeah, and you know what? I think that being that they have Dwayne Wade, who's a veteran, and a lot of other veteran guys, I think that that was an intention of the Heat. Maybe not to get that physical, but to really be physical with the young Sixers and and push them around and see how they would react. And I'm really impressed after watching the highlights with how they did react. Yeah, so that was a huge litmus test. It was definitely the Heat were the instigators. Yeah, and the Heat have a lot of tough guys on that team that you don't want to mess with. Uh, The one thing I will say is if I'm Ben Simmons... He, James Johnson. James Johnson, yeah. He's not your man. Do not <laughs> fuck with him. He's like a he's he could be a professional MMA fighter supposedly. He's the one guy. He Simmons is a And he was in the guy. middle of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that I was I wouldn't huge. want that pretty little face of his <laughs> bashed in by fucking Johnson. Tom's uh Tom's NBA crush right there. Right now, um, yeah. <laughs> But no, I thought that was a huge test for the Sixers because they're young. They're the new kids on the block. Miami's not as talented, but they were a good team this year. They've got a lot of veterans who've been through it before, and they do mesh well together. And everybody knows their role, and that's it's a really it's a very post LeBron Heat team. It is, and Spolstra is a great coach regardless of what you want to say about him winning with a tremendous team. But he's a very good coach. He gets a lot out of his guys. But there was a lot of opportunity yesterday for Philly to fold. They were on the road. Miami had a raucous crowd. It was the first game of the Saturday, um, four games. And Miami really tried to assert themselves, really tried to play put their footprint on the uh, on the game, and Philly did not back down. They yeah. didn't back down in Game Three. We'll they just call it like it is. To it, man. Philly, Philly out talented them. Period. Yeah, but also I, they rose. They rose to the challenge with the physicality, and they. I, I think they punched back when Miami was not quite expecting that. Yeah, I agree with that too. But I think more it came down. I agree with you, but I think it came down to the fact that Philly is just so superior in the talent department. And I think it really, the, the fact that Whiteside is an, an irrelevant player in this series has a lot to do with my, why Miami's struggling so much. Oh, for sure. He, he, he drives that D-Wade had that throwback bus. game as we predicted yep. on this very podcast. But besides that, if Whiteside was averaging 20 and 10 instead of 13 and 8, which is right around what he's at, I think the Heat might have another game in this series. 
why after he got that contract, he's like a different player. He it's like he doesn't care, and that's why you see that guy Bam playing a lot more. Yeah, and Spolster's not going to tolerate a, a guy of that talent to be that passive. Um, you think Philly wraps it up in five? I don't really know. I don't know how to judge this one. Obviously, I, I have the Sixers winning the series. Um, it's the next game's back in Philadelphia. Philly. I think Philly wins. Yeah, that would be fun. Because if Philly doesn't win, I could easily see Miami winning game six in Miami and then coming back for a do-or-die game seven in yeah, Philly. Yeah, you never so, know with game seven. Which so. would be fun. So moving on to the next Eastern Conference series, Milwaukee won two tough games in a row against the Celtics. Yeah, and I think this is another thing. They are the worst coach team in in the playoffs it's not even close and that's enough said about that I really don't want to pile on the coach I don't even know his name he's an interim head coach definitely not getting a, a full-time job out of this I'll tell you that um but you know I think they just Giannis is a really talented player yeah the put back um tip today to, to seal the win mm. I, I missed the game but yeah it was uh, it was a great game it was really tough Boston was getting blown out and they came mm. storming back uh, typical Brad Stevens, great coaching, and um, I think Stevens. I think that this game might actually go. Uh, sorry, this series might actually go seven, and I think the Celtics end up pulling it out because I just think that the coaching is going to win out. And man, Brad Stevens should get Coach of the Year for the next ten years. He can turn anything. He can turn you into a guard at this point with those mm, fucking feet. Maybe. That's debatable. He, he's making every <laughs> player you've ever seen into a good guard. It's ridiculous. No, he is. He, he's done a really good job. He and gave Kelly Olynyk a lot of money, too. Don't forget that. Yeah. I mean, to say that he's done a good job is a huge understatement. He's a tremendous coach, and we all know that. But what's cool about this series, and which leads us into the next one as well, is the home team has defended home court in each game. And you give Milwaukee a lot of credit. They're gritty. They're not the best coached. But they are a good team. They have a decent amount of talent. Obviously, Giannis, I think, is the best player in this series with Kyrie being out. Um, but they have other people. I mean, Bledsoe had a couple of really nice passes today to set up on on possessions that I thought yeah, he I would have the, liked to take over. I looked over. at the stat line, and um, I think Bledsoe finally had a decent game because um, he has not been playing well for the rest of the series. It feels like Giannis has got really got a have a LeBron-esque kind of series and just put the team on his back if they're going to have any chance of winning this series. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, home court holds up in Game 5 back at TD Garden in Boston where they are a really tough team. But I was impressed with Milwaukee. i got to be honest. I was not expecting them to, to win, um, especially today. But they came out on fire. Um, so, yeah, so we got a series, another a 2-2 series in the East. A little something to watch. It's not all it's not all sweeps, but No. I think I think that being that Boston has home court advantage, I think that between that and the coaching, I think that they're going to be the ones to win out in the series in advance. And then I think they're going to be done after that, but I think they go to the second round, which is incredibly impressive to lose your two best players one four minutes into the season and still go to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, against a decent Milwaukee team. I mean, they're not a pushover. They have talent and they not by any and they play they're hard. Just badly coached. Yep. And then that'll segue us into the next. And that's a bad too. Needs to be reconfigured this summer. Yeah, and I'm 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 sure it will be. I they have some Jabari pieces Parker to move. Will be on the team. There's a few others, and I think they need to get. I think they need to get a, a more skilled big man and maybe another wing player. But moving on, Tur- we'll talk about that in the summer. Yeah, for sure. Um, Toronto, Washington, another great series where home court is held up. 
Yeah, Toronto's just bleh. I I don't. They I don't, don't do it for, for me. Raptors. They I just mean, don't do it for the me. The coolest thing about the Raptors is that Drake sits sideline. I mean, they don't have any players. I mean, I, I, DeRozan's a good player. Lowry's a, an okay. He's a, he's a decent point guard. They have a good supporting cast with Ibaka and the bench mob. Um, I don't know. They. They just don't do it for me. See, I feel the same way about the Wizards. I feel like these two teams are mirror images of each other, where they both have some really I good agree with talent. You, but the one player that I think is actually like an absolute stud is Bradley Beal. I I, I don't care for John Wall. I, I think know, John you, Wall is not that good. You and I have talked about this. What has he won? Um, and you know he won Game Six last year against Boston. Jumped on the table. That was really good. Yeah. Um, Bradley Beal's a great player. I, I don't know. Both of these teams just don't do it for me. They have each. They each have a really solid amount of talent. And when they're on, you wonder how they're not a great team consistently. But I don't know. I could see this series going seven and just trading off home court. I I could see the Wizards winning this series if Otto Porter gets hot and Kelly Oubre can play a little bit better. Um, and Gortat keeps doing what he's doing, just dunking on everybody's head and setting really good moving picks, as he always does. I think, you know, the two stars on each team kind of, they neutralize each other. They kind of set each other off. So it's basically, is Otto Porter going to be better than what the Raptors have to offer, or is the Raptors bench going to be better than Otto Porter and uh, Gortat and a little bit of Oubre? Yeah, and you got to keep in mind also uh, Morris on on the Wizards is having a really good playoffs as well. Yep, they they've gotten some very good production from a lot of their guys. They're not a typical eight seed. I, no, they, they're not. They just had a really weird season, and they just found themselves in the eight seed. But they are not a typical eight seed by any means. They they're more of like a four or five seed, like last year. Um, but you know, they're, they're just underwhelming to me. Both these teams are. I mean, I I just. I can't. I can't the deal East with is, either of them. The East in general is really, you know, really underwhelming. Besides the Sixers. Yeah, well, I think the Sixers are 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 so fun because they're so young and talented, and they've got just they the, play fun basketball, and they've got too. the personalities too, man, yeah. that make that fun. Lowry and DeRozan aren't that personalities. They're boring, and on top of that, it's just. The, the Sixers play such a fun brand of basketball where they're they're getting the ball around, they're they're making a lot of passes, they're shooting threes, uh, they got a lot of great shooters. They're and, and and the most important thing is they're playing up and down. Even with Embiid, they're running like Simmons just cannot be stopped. No, he cannot. And there's not a guard that can match up with him with his physicality. Yeah, his physicality, size, and just what he can do creativity wise with the ball and how he sets up his teammates and how he can score. He can post people up down low. Side note on that, and I know we're really harping on the Sixers. Isn't it funny that, what, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, people didn't even know Nike wouldn't even give him a good contract because they didn't know what the kind of player he was going to be? I had doubts. Yeah, I mean, we all did. He he didn't even make the fi- the tournament uh, from UCL or uh, LSU. LSU. Yeah, it was a wasted year, and now he's probably going to be next year by midseason a top ten player in the NBA. It's, For sure, it's crazy. As long as he stays healthy, I don't see why he couldn't be. Um, so we'll see what plays out in that Toronto Washington series. I I think that that's going to go seven, um, regardless of who wins. 
I don't think either team is really made to go that much further to finish up in the East in the last the series. Picks looking better and better. Uh, by you the day, are man. loving your Sixers. You started that pick. I I couldn't I couldn't get all in on the bandwagon, but I admit, watching this series, they are fun. Embiid's returning Game Three with the mask. Everything. It's just it's different. It's changing of the guard. You can tell. It may not be all about it this year, but you can tell the tide in the East is turning, and you. It would be a lot of fun to see what Boston could do with a healthy Hayward and a healthy Kyrie. Absolutely. Um, but talking about the old guard in the East, LeBron's Cavaliers, they're down 2-1 to an Indiana team that has Oladipo playing out of his mind well. and Bojan Bogdanovich, former net great, uh, <laughs> catching fire from three. The Cavs had quite the scare last game. I think Kevin Love jammed his finger or something like that. And I don't think he played for the rest of the game. And I was saying to myself, you know, uh, this series, this series is over. I mean, because if it's LeBron and the rest of the cast without Kevin Love, that's bad. I mean, that is really bad. And I know I said earlier on the podcast that Rodney Hood could create his own shot. There's not one player on this team that can even make a shot, much less create their own shot for for this Cavaliers team. Yeah, uh, I I totally agree, man. And honestly, that talent, yeah, it's younger. Yeah, it's more athletic. But they don't do it. And, and, you know, LeBron pretty much willed his way to get the new overhaul of the roster. Uh, They are up 10 right now at the half that I just checked. So we'll see if Indiana can come back. Cleveland was rolling in Game 3, and Indiana had this insane comeback in the third, particularly in the fourth to, to win by two. And that's the thing is I don't I worry not about LeBron because he's going to do everything he can. I worry about the mental toughness of some of the players. You want to know what the Cavs cast. could really use? Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. I, I, I will never understand how you trade a top probably 12 to 10 player in the NBA who's under contract just because he's upset. Sit him down in the chair and fucking talk to him. And this is Dan Gilbert, Cosmic Sam's Dan Gilbert, Cosmic <laughs> Sam's Dan, in its purest form. And he's going to sell the team and buy the Detroit Pistons, and they're going to get fucking run into the ground, too. Maybe they'll get a championship out of it, though. Maybe. I mean, I, I certainly see where you're coming from. I don't understand his desire to leave so bad other than the fact he wanted to be the man. Trade there. I think there's a few reasons. I think the most important unhappy there? I think the most important reason and I don't think it had anything to do with playing with LeBron generally. I think it was more he saw the writing on the wall and I think that really is showing that LeBron's gonna leave. Yeah, that's true. I just look at it from a standpoint of you have two great players, and regardless of what LeBron ends up doing, but you who could, wants you to be locked your... into Cleveland after LeBron leaves when it's you and nothing? Because they didn't even have a, they don't even have a good pick. They traded all their picks away for players that LeBron can use, such as Kyle Korver, who they gave up a first round pick for. Whereas you can be in a much better situation in Boston. They went and got Gordon Hayward after they got him. And he's also playing with one of the best coaches for a guard of all time, and that's Brad Stevens. Yeah, I think he could have just taken an opportunity in Cleveland though to say, hey, you know what, even if I'm 
even if I have to deal with a year or two. Force he already tr- got his force- ring, which I think is very important to keep in mind. Yes, but I, I'm thinking multiple. I'm thinking he could have gotten to the point where, say, hey, I'll suck it up with LeBron for another year or two, regardless of what he does, and then try to force your trade once you know it, it's once you're in Cleveland by yourself and there's signs that obviously it's not going to work out there. I didn't feel like it had to be last year, but it certainly opened up the floodgates for a uh, turnstile Eastern Conference, one that is certainly not a cakewalk for LeBron's Cavs. No, and back to the series, I think this one's going to be really interesting. I think tonight's a huge game, and we're going to find out you know, what the Cavs are made of with tonight. Oh, for sure. And if somehow, some way, Indiana can win tonight, um, they are down five with 7.50 left in the third currently. If they can find a way to pull out another tough game at home, go back to Cleveland up 3-1, maybe Cleveland comes out with another crazy effort by LeBron to win a game five. But you got you got an opportunity to win one before Cleveland wins three. That would be something, and that would really flip the Eastern Conference on its head because nobody could have predicted. Maybe we didn't think that Cleveland would win the East. I know you like to go with, uh, with Philadelphia. But to lose in the first round, that would be something that would tarnish LeBron's legacy like crazy. Yeah, I don't think especially LeBron's since he was the ever organizer less of left in the loss in the first round. So no, especially since he was the organizer of overhauling the entire roster to get them better. Yeah, what's crazy is I don't think they would have been any different with the players that they got rid of. Probably not. So I mean, although Jay Crowder looks really good in Utah, the rest of them can you even remember who was on the team? Isaiah Thomas and. That's it. I mean, but you know, moving on. You know, I think, I think this one might go six, and I think the Cavs come away with it. Tonight it really depends on tonight. Yeah, it'll depend on tonight, and you hate to say live in the moment, but it could really change that fourth game when a team is up two one. It can really alter how you feel about the outcome of that series. If if Indiana wins, you could say them in five or six, and if Cleveland wins, you think them in in six so yeah absolutely we'll see what happens so that's our thoughts on the nba so far we're really looking forward to keeping the playoffs going it's been so fun man just this one week of games yeah they've been really fun to watch especially watching you know um game teams go back and forth close games and then you get the chippiness of the um philadelphia series and that one game in miami it's been definitely a lot of fun honestly it's been refreshing because the nba over the past couple months um, has been tough to watch because it's like all these teams um, either have their playoff spots locked in or they're tanking except for the last few. You know, the one interesting game that I feel like I watched post-All-Star break that I was super into was Minnesota against Denver to actually get to the playoffs. Yeah, and it happened on, to be on NBA's, you know, their last night of the regular season, which is what so you... So it was basically the playoffs. Yeah, that's what you want, but... Leading up to that, it's awful because you have the teams that know that they're going to be there don't who don't care because, you know, a one seed, a two seed, at that point it doesn't really matter where they are. They're just trying to get healthy or they're going to get rest and they're not necessarily going to play with the same chip on their shoulder. And then you have teams that are admittedly trying to tank and lose. So the quality of basketball post-All-Star break was really poor. Um, but I'm glad that it, this postseason is making up for it because – God, we need it. Uh, the NBA needs it. They don't want to be known as a league that has two great teams and nothing else. So, you know, let's continue to enjoy it, see where it goes, and um, 
analyzing and predicting in the weeks to come. Absolutely. Trust the process. Go Sixers. <laughs> All right. So moving on to um, Let's go on some to Major League Baseball. Yes. It will be a lot of fun to see how Boston can keep this run up because it has been absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, from they all did, facets of the game. They did just get no hit last night, but it's one game. Um, I think they got no hit because I bet on them. That would so probably maybe, do it. Maybe yeah. I'll just lose a lot of money on the Red Sox this year <laughs> and the Yankees will be in good shape. Um, today, happy Glaber Day. Forgot to say it Happy earlier. Glaber Day. You did text me that, so thank you for that. Awesome news as if you're a Yankee fan. This is the next stud in the wave of homegrown talent that we've seen come up over the last few years. Um, Yankee fans have fallen in love with the likes of a Severino, who looks like he's finally going to be that homegrown ace that the Yankees fans have been clamoring for. He pitched great today. Another great game. Judge just continues to get better every single game. Uh, you got... Guys like Tyler Austin who are filling in well. Gary Sanchez hasn't hit a stride yet, but we know what Gary is. But to see Andujar turning it around, he's been on fire. Four for four today, man. He is hot. And I think it was, you know, I think we might have said that on an earlier podcast. It was just a matter of him. He's too good of a hitter. He just had to get the jitters out of the way, get that over with. Now he looks comfortable at the plate. He does, and he's being aggressive. He was swinging at bad pitches, you know. He's being really aggressive pressing. in the strike zone now, though. That's yeah, the difference. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy that, you know, the Yankee fans and some people in the Yankee organization wanted to win the battle out of spring training. They made the acquisition of Drury. Uh, Unfortunately, Drury's had been dealing with these migraines and an issue like that. You don't know how long he's going to be out, but... I'm worried about that, man. And he's such a good player from the small bit that we have saw him in New York, but, you know, his reputation from what he was in Arizona. So, but Andujar was has been one of the Yankees' top prospects. And he may not get the same kind of uh, recognition as a Gleyber Torres or as an Aaron Judge when he came up or even a Gary Sanchez, but he's one of those guys the Yankees organization has thought very, very highly of for years. And he's got an electric bat, really fast bat speed, hits the ball like crazy gap to gap, line to line. And he's really hitting his stride now. He's played a better third base than I think a lot of people have, had, had given him credit for. And now to put him with Gleyber Torres, a lot of people said there's no way the Yankees are going into spring into the regular season with a rookie at second and third. Well, circumstances. I was just going to say, circumstances put that into the equation. You know, Neil Walker has not been the productive player that they thought they I'm were getting. I'm disappointed by that. I really am. Yeah, he, he has been really poor. He looks lost at the plate, and you wonder if he's a case of one of these guys that didn't get a full spring training in and is trying to trying to run before he can walk yeah i'm interested to see how jose batista who just signed with atlanta is going to be for the first couple months he may look like he doesn't even know how to swing a bat right which a lot of people thought that was the case with toronto last year uh his last year with the blue jays but you know walker has been great tyler wade we mentioned last week really has been terrible and you wonder if he's going to be one of these quadruple a players that is too good for triple a but can't quite play in the majors Train him while he's, while he's hot yeah i mean if Gleyber torres has come up and he's gonna he's gonna play second base every day he is not gonna be up here to to be a bench player or be sent back down 
and this is his job. And he went 0-4 today in his Major League debut, his first at-bat. You could tell he was really pressing. He was swinging at pitches that were nowhere close. But it's just exciting. When he came to the plate, you know, it was a beautiful day up here in the Northeast. We've been clamoring for that weather. What, are you going to fucking cry? Yeah, a little Jesus bit. Jesus Christ. It's, it was great. He's going to be a great player. The it jitters are going to be over But with. it was great because the expectations <laughs> for this team are, were sky high, and they haven't played well. And they haven't You're played right. well. You're such a little bitch. <laughs> You're such a little bitch. Uh, Just yeah, speaking no, from the you. Yankees' perspective, man. What is the name of our podcast? <laughs> You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Just to get back on track, yeah, I think that I think Labor is going to be one of the ones that help the Yankees turn this around. They definitely need to get healthy. I mean, that's a given. And the bullpen's still been a little bit shaky. I know uh, Chapman slammed the door today. Really, no no issues there. Nope. Um, but, you know, I, I still get nervous when a couple of these guys run out. I think that there's going to be a couple more weeks where I need to see a continued success before I can relax after the starter comes out of the game. Yes. Another it, thing is that Sonny Gray sucks. I'm glad you said that. God, so bad. So bad. I don't understand it. He's got the stuff, but it feels like the Yankees are cursed when they acquire either via trade or free agency. These guys that have one or two great years look like they're on the uptick as far as a status and they come to New York and just bottom out. And he, he has, reminds me so much of a Burnett because on the games he's on, he doesn't have the electric stuff as Burnett, but he, when he's on, you wonder how he gets touched and it alters so fast. Like he came out in attack mode the other night, first inning or two was really productive Gave up one one hit, no walks. Pitch, those the pitchers that have the stuff that they have, they face a little bit of adversity and they fold like a cheap lawn chair. They're just the worst, and he's one of them. He's I mean, one of them. It sucks when you know he'll get a first, he'll get a uh, you know a first at bat walk in an inning, and it's like oh shit, here we go. You yeah, know? no, you you couldn't have said that better. And tr- truthfully, it's it's gutless because take Thursday or Friday night rather. Tyler Austin hits a two-run home run in the bottom of the second. You have a 2 nothing lead. He promptly walks the first two guys he faces in the third, gives up three runs. Yankees give, gives up the lead. The next inning, Giancarlo Stanton hits a line drive into the right field seats. 4-3 Yanks. What does he do? Doesn't even get out of the top of the fourth. And you cannot have that. This is supposed to be your number three. We were talking about all offseason getting into the – getting into spring training, how great we thought he was going to be this year. You could slide him in against any other team's number three or four, and you would think you'd have the advantage. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's in his head. I don't know if it's mechanical. They need to put him on the DL and put him in the concussion protocol because he's got something wrong with his stupid <laughs> fucking head. Or just put him in the pen. Yeah, I, I don't know who you would use as a starter. The Yankees already need to start shopping, which is really scary. It's horrifying. In April, but, you know, I, I think this team will be just fine. I think we'll be fighting for the division. The Red Sox aren't going to play 800 baseball for the rest of the season. No, but it's... Uh, it's crazy that they're doing this without one of their better players who looked electric to start, which was Xander Bogart. Yeah, and this is, you know, just as a baseball fan, I mean, obviously we're Yankee biased, but come on, how could you not love the way that they've been playing? I mean, they, they've won every kind of way, but you wonder now, if after losing two of three to the Oakland A's, if, you know, that's the thing with baseball. Momentum can just alter like that, and just as bad as, you know, we, we were texting on Tuesday after the Yankees lost 9-1 to the Marlins. It's like, well... 
this is yeah, over. And I think I was actually supposed to kill myself because <laughs> I said that they needed to take what at least four of six. How many did they take? But they did but take t- four of six. Oh, that's why I'm still so breathing. You're okay, I forgot. that's okay. why you're still breathing. I think you were on life support because you wanted the five of the six, but. I mean, yeah, I I had to be talked off the ledge, but I'm all right. I'm still breathing. <laughs> Thank God. So we got two games back in this series, or in uh, you know, within the the weekend. So we'll see what ends up happening. It, baseball, it's a marathon. You see what happens. But Gleyber Torres is up. That might you know put a little bit of a uh, of excitement and a jolt into the team. And we'll see what goes on. Um, Otani has slowed down a little bit. He got roughed up against the Red Sox last week. Hasn't started. I mean, since. you knew that was going to happen. Uh, it w- it was a matter of time. He's not going to be perfect forever, but I still think he's going to be. He might even be in the Cy Young conversation. I still think he's going to be floating around All Star status all year round. Yeah. No. I mean, and as a baseball fan, you you kind of hope for that, regardless of what position he's playing, uh, whether he's pitching or or in the batter's box. And the last piece of news I thought was important to talk about in the landscape of the early baseball season. So the Mets made a decision. Matt Harvey's going to the bullpen, and he's pissed, but he doesn't have a right to be. He's been bad. He has been bad. The dark night is no more. And I is, think have we seen a bigger do... fall of grace from, from a, a New York pitcher in a long time or even just a, a pitcher? I mean, he was on top of the world four years ago, even three years ago, going out I for that ninth inning in I game five. I think that the Mets are also partially to blame for that. He came back from injury too soon, too quick, two times. And that's not just his fault. The Mets, we talked about this with our baseball preview. I mean, when you let these guys do whatever they want, rehab whoever they want, even whether it's right or wrong, you know, sometimes things are going to come up when they don't listen to the team and they don't enforce things. This would have never happened with the Yankees. He would have been babied and he would have been just fine. Yeah. And this is coming from, you know, Yankees that haven't developed a great starting pitcher in a, in, a, in quite some time. But uh, we'll see what Severino Yeah, but if, even does. if you look at CeCe with these countless DL stints, they know how to take care of their, their players. They know how they know how to be cautious when need be and keep these guys in the long term healthy. I feel like if CeCe Sabathia was a Met, he would have he'd probably be in a wheelchair right now, <laughs> for Christ's sake. Probably but the amount been. of times, it's it, it's incredibly frustrating. But when you look at it from this point of view, it's very frustrating when the Yankees send him to the DL for 10 days. And it's like, why the why is he missing a start? You know, he, he stubbed his toe getting out of bed. But why is he missing a start? But then you look at things like this, where Harvey has been bad since he first tore his elbow up to now because he came back too early you can't. He's a competitive athlete. You can't expect him to sit back and be like, "Oh, I got to be myself." You have to hold him back, and nobody does that better than the Yankees. True, and no one does it worse than the Mets. No, not a, uh, exactly. But they're, they're the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like the Giants and the Jets, although it's much more magnified with the Mets and the Yankees because I think the Giants have fucked up a lot more than the, the Yankees in the past. But, yes. <laughs> but. That being said, I think the reason why he's getting sent to the bullpen is that he sucks and Zach Wheeler is showing signs of life. Yeah, and you know, they're going to make the right decision for baseball or for their for their team going forward and for the for their rotation and their bullpen could maybe use a Joel. And who knows, maybe Harvey this isn't what he wants, but you know, psychologically he goes more into attack mode and he can just empty the vault for an inning or two and really fortify that bullpen. It's just sad because you know what, as baseball fans, not just Yankee fans, you look for these storylines, and I remember 
it being must-see TV when Harvey took the mound. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun for that stretch of time. And, you know, I think that maybe he goes into the bullpen, he gets right. I mean, the reason why he's struggling as a starter is more because of his fastball. Maybe he goes in, he gets that right, he tunes that up, he fixes his mechanics, and he comes back out and has a really good second half as a starter. Yeah. You don't, You never know. No, you don't. And that's the thing is it can change so fast. And Have you noticed another thing that former Met, Bartolo Colon has oh, been dealing? Oh, I love him. Dealing. Love him. He had a perfect game through seven last week against the defending world champs. I mean, it's crazy. And he just has fun out there. But that's the thing. It's like you see Matt Harvey, and he hasn't adjusted as a pitcher. He he still feels like his fastball is 99, and it's not. And he hasn't really learned how to pitch. Absolutely. 94 will do when you can when you learn how to pitch. It's just the fact that he's trying to blow it by everybody. Yeah. I mean, it took CeCe a while. Of course, he was battling injuries at the time, but and I think the contract had a lot to do with it where they were giving him an opportunity to keep taking the ball every five days. But, you know, his career has been reinvented with with how he looks and I'm I'm telling you if if Harvey could just get into that mindset but he was very arrogant he was very cocky it worked for him because the team he was dominating with wasn't great he was the first one to really put the Mets back on the map uh you know starting the all-star game at City Field as the home pitcher just blowing guys through for two innings yeah I just remember that and it was a lot of fun at that time and even when he was in the World Series you know and he he went um he tried to throw the complete game ended up that was a horrible decision he hasn't been the same since he left the mound in the ninth inning of that game yeah no absolutely because you know had he just gotten pulled and they put Familia in whatever we're talking about it thing that happened three years ago but uh, we'd be talking about probably a different Matt Harvey I feel like that change it's a lot I draw parallels to another Met when they had Johan Santana throw that no-hitter. Yes. When he threw like 150 pitches. That's a pitches. good one. Mm-hmm. He's, he was never the same after that. No. And, and you know what? You got to get the first no-hitter as a Met. I completely understand it. But it's just it's, it's crazy how one game can totally change the mental and the physical out, outlook of a pitcher. Yeah, and I think it was just a story to talk about you know, before we got way too deep into it, but that's, you know, it's a story. And, and whether you're a New York baseball fan, whether you're a Met fan, whether you're a Yankee fan, whether you're just a baseball fan, you see this guy that looked like he was on top of the world just fall so far in two and a half years. It, it's it's sad, but it's also, it puts in perspective uh, just how fragile the spotlight can be and just how fragile an arm can be. And if you can maximize it, great, but you have to know that there's going to be uh, consequences to pay for at the end. But uh, I think those were the three baseball points we wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. We can definitely talk a little bit more about baseball, but we got the NFL draft coming up. Um, it's finally here after feels what feels like years. Do you enjoy your 15 mock drafts? Yeah, I reviewed a lot of them. I, I think that they're going to go the Browns. They're probably going to go with Josh Allen. It looks that way, right? Yeah. And you know what? This is coming from a Jets fan's perspective. If you're going to trade up to number three, you're guaranteed to get one of those big three quarterbacks. And obviously they like all three of them, or else they wouldn't have made that trade. So as a Jets fan, I've officially decided after long speculation, I I took a walk in the woods, I collected my thoughts. That sounds lovely. I'm good with whatever quarterback they pick. There you go. Unless his name is Baker Mayfield. (laughs) There's that little caveat in there. Yes. And the reason being is because I feel like Baker Mayfield would be make a great New England Patriot. He would make a great, 
uh, Green Bay Packer, he would make a great New Orleans Saint. He would not make a great Jet. Yeah, and and um, truthfully be told, if the Jets have conviction behind one of their picks, you gotta love it as a fan because they made the plunge to go to three. And if they got to three, you're gonna have to live with whatever decision they make. They know that there's a very good chance two quarterbacks are off the board. So we'll see what happens. It's going to really, a lot of it's going to depend on what the Giants do it too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was just saying that about Baker Mayfield because I think that he's like Julian Edelman 2.0 and he could make a great wide receiver. And everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson switching to, to um, from quarterback to wide receiver. And I think Baker Mayfield's the better option of doing that. I don't think he has pro quarterback stuff. Not to use a baseball term, but and I think that Lamar Jackson does. Lamar Jackson's six foot three. Bill Polian said he was too small. He's got he's he's senile at this point. Six foot three is definitely a good sized quarterback, and he's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah, I get it. He's skinny, but you know what? He nobody's gonna be able to tackle him because he's so elusive. Yeah, and I don't. What I don't. The one thing I don't understand that's bothering me is you're a fast guy. That's he's incredibly fast. I watched him at Louisville. That's not a detriment. Why are you not running a forty? Is it is? It, can you explain me to something? Is it a bad thing that you run a fast forty? Should he should he jog his forty? <laughs> it's so stupid. It, they do these measurables, and this is why I can't take the combine because it doesn't matter. You know, you're gonna have what you draw up to be a prototypical passing quarterback like a Tom Brady and Eli Manning that has no mobility, that doesn't matter whether he can get run down the field or not. But the game has changed, and you can see how, I mean, even a Case Keenum, he's not going to wow you with a 40, but look what he can do getting out of the pocket and run. Rodgers has made his career with that, throwing on the run. If you have a Lamar Jackson who can run like that and does have the passing skills, to if you just get him into a pro-style offense, maybe learn behind a great quarterback like a Tom Brady, like an Eli Manning, what have you. Eli Manning, stop, stop, stop. Oh, please. <laughs> All right. Let's Put him behind <laughs> Eli. As a Giant fan, I would love to see them take him at the beginning of the second round and yeah, develop him. He would, I think he would be an absolute steal at the beginning of the second round. I just don't want to see him go to the Patriots because you know he's going to be a star with the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing about this draft, since that's what we're talking about, that's going to be really interesting, you have to keep an eye on the top five rounds of the Patriots draft because I think it's really going to tell you whether or not they're kind of um, – If it'll tell you a few things. How quickly Bill Belichick is going to retire – how quickly Tom Brady is going to retire, and whether or not they're rebuilding. Because if they go quarterback first pick, Tom Brady is not going to be happy. Oh, God, no. Could it's, you not often, it's not often that the Patriots have a first-round pick. They have two this year. Could you imagine they go quarterback one of those first two? Tom Brady ought to be Tom Brady's going to be livid because you know what Tom Brady's thinking right now. Besides the fact that he might be thinking about retirement, I don't know how true that is. I know Giselle is, but I don't know how true that is for him. He's thinking this is great. We got two first round picks. We're going to go out and get me a wide receiver, and we're going to go out and get me an offensive lineman. Yeah, and I think too is if he has a thought in his mind about retiring. You know it might not be this year, but it, you mean it could easily be this year is his last. And I don't care what Bel- what Brady says or what the tension is, Belichick is not going to let his reputation, you know, go by the wayside because Brady's manipulating the quarterbacks behind him. He's not going into a season 
with a 40-year-old quarterback. He already gave up Jimmy and, G. And, He's and not going to make Brian that mistake Hoyer again. With Brian Hoyer being the only option and not even Belichick and his wisdom and his you know, just pure ability as one of the best coaches of all time is going to turn a Brian Hoyer-led team into a real contender. So, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I just don't want to see him go there. I'm ready for the Patriots' reign to be over. I'm tired of Boston sports fans. I'm tired of all that. And I'd like to see Lamar Jackson go anywhere else other Jesus than the Patriots. <laughs> Twice you've cried on this podcast. Am I wrong? You cried tears of joy over Glaber Torres going 0 for 4. Love him. And you've been crying about Boston sports. Hate it sucks. Boston I, sports. I agree, but... Fuck Boston sports. All right, all right, all right. So moving on in the draft. Now, if the Giants... When we do this next podcast, we're really going to go through the draft in depth. We might even do two podcasts next week if we can. One just breaking down the draft. If the Giants draft Shaquan Barkley, am I gonna have am I gonna have somebody to do this podcast with next no. week? No. <laughs> well, yeah, a guest. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about crying, crying over Boston sports, crying over Glaboratories? I will be crying, weeping over Saquon Barkley. You cannot ever take a running back at two with the condition of what the Giants team is in. When you have no offensive line, you can't even tell me it got that much better. They improved the left tackle position, which honestly is impossible to do based on, or impossible not to do rather because of what Eric Flowers had done on the left side for the last few years. They, they have so many holes and you're drafting second. If you don't love a quarterback, then don't take one. That's fine with me. Then try to trade, see if a team is going to give up their entire future. I still don't love the idea with the Bills unless you can work a three-way trade because, you know, you just won three games. You had the worst season in franchise history in the last 25, 30 years even. And I don't think that you can sell to your fan base that you're going to draft 12th after winning three games, no matter how many first-round picks you get. So what I'd like to see... I think most Giant fans want to see is take that quarterback who's going to be the heir apparent to Eli. But if you don't love him and Gettleman truly doesn't, this is Gettleman's last run as a GM. So he wants to make his mark on this team. Especially because he didn't do too hot with the Panthers in his last few picks. Taking Kelvin Benjamin, not a great pick in the end. Taking especially taking Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and McCaffrey's a very good player. But... Yeah, but McCaffrey's not even a running back. At this point, he's a slot wide receiver. He can't even he can't even block, and you do not take a slot wide receiver no. in the first round. Yeah, so he's got a lot to prove and uh, as a GM making this making this crazy pick. And if you don't love these quarterbacks then you have Quentin Nelson, who you could use as a plug-and-play guy and is going to be fortifying the left side of your offensive line for the next 10 years. Because even if you don't believe you're a win-now team or you are building to the future, you're going to have he's going to make your team better now, but he's going to be a rock-solid left, left guard going forward. And if you can have a left side of your offensive line with Nate Solder and Quentin Nelson, that's pretty good to me. I don't think that that's a problem. Offensive talent-wise positions, they're fine. You got Beckham, you got Shepard, you've got Engram. Uh, who knows about these Des Bryant rumors? Apparently, they're not interested, but other publications say they are. Uh, side note on Des Bryant: I think Des Bryant has three opportunities, four opportunities, excuse me, to be a good wide receiver. If he goes to Green Bay, if he goes to New Orleans, if he goes to Philly. 
if he goes to New England. And the reason being is because he cannot even run a route. So he's going to need a quarterback so accurate that he, they can throw him that jump ball to where only he can go up and get it and he can out-physical somebody. A guy like Eli Manning, a guy like Joe Flacco, who he might, uh, he might be going to the Ravens, uh, a guy like anybody else in the league is not accurate enough. And I know you know that Eli has not uh, – accuracy is not Eli's – Forte. No, it isn't. And, and and I think that there's four teams where Des Bryant could be a gr- not a great player, but a good player still. Yeah, I, I agree with I you. I think the Giants would be wasting their time with him. Yeah, I mean, it, it reeks of Brandon Marshall from last year. He's probably better than Brandon Marshall was. and he, but you know, Younger, his, stronger. His personality, I just don't bad. know. I, I just don't think that you need to prioritize that kind of player where the Giants are right now. You look at the landscape of the NFC. On top of that, you don't need a player like Des Bryant in a locker room of a three-win team. No, and I don't think they're going to be that bad, but they're certainly... You Not at all, but I'm saying last year they won three games, and their locker room was toxic. And you can't even blame Odell Beckham because the guy wasn't in the locker room after, what, game four? Yeah, he got hurt in the fifth game of the year. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's just this is such a this is going to be such a scrutinized pick, and the only way that I couldn't deal with it is if they take, is if they take Saquon Barkley. Because... The Giants won two Super Bowls with a fourth-round pick in Brandon Jacobs and a seventh-round pick in Abad Bradshaw. And there's been mock drafts of them taking uh, Sony Michel or um, or taking Bo Scarborough, both running backs from good SEC programs, played in the title game against each other last this past year. That would be fine with me. Take a running back two in your second round. Uh, yeah, you guys have a top three second round pick, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, take your talent there. I mean, you need to make a decision. We've said it multiple times. The running back is a diluted position. The difference between Shaquan Barkley and a second round running back is a lot closer than the difference between um, the offensive lineman from Notre Dame and and a second or third round offensive lineman and or a quarterback in the first round and, and a second or a third round. I think the gap between um, a player such as a Sam Darnold and a Mason Rudolph is a lot bigger than a Shaquan Barkley and some of the running backs that you just named. Oh my god, yeah. And even if you take like a Bradley Chubb in the next defensive end or if you take a Quentin Nelson in the next left guard, like you know, those are positions that you, there's a huge, you know, drop off between the top and the and the second tier. That, and, the and we tier. didn't even mention the fact that a running back's lifespan is what a, a great running back will be great for five to seven years. A great offensive lineman or a great defensive end may be there for ten to twelve years. Oh yeah, and Tom, I'm quarterback's sure, fifteen. I'd like to get your take on this too because I've heard this argument and I feel like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And a lot of people who are for the for the Giants taking Barkley just because of his talent, they say, oh, well, you could have the next Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown tandem. Am I missing something? Did did they win two or three Super Bowls? No, yeah. I, I mean, they're always a very good team, and their offensive ex- is, offense is explosive. All of these but, arguments and all of these things that are written are written from, like, a, a sexy fantasy football uh, perspective nowadays. And those numbers are great, and it's fun to win your fantasy league and win some money with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Don't get me wrong. But... When you want to win a Super Bowl and how they're going to look at it in the front office is 
you want to build from the out from the inside out. You want to you want to strengthen that offensive line, and then you want you want a good quarterback under under the helm. That's the only way you're going to win. the The skill position players aren't going to get the ball if the quarterback's getting sacked every time. And on top of that, if there's nobody that can throw them the ball, exactly. And and flashy wide receivers are a diamond dozen, and running backs can be found in the later rounds much more frequently than than a quarterback or a a good offensive lineman or even a defensive end for that matter. Listen, we've speculated, we've predicted. With we've, that being said, I hope to God they draft Shaquan Barkley. Gonna, it will I'm be not, absolutely I'm not hilarious. Gonna be here. I'm not going to be here. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. I will be done. My Giants fandom, out. Out. You're out. saying that right now. You're putting it in writing? Uh, no, not in writing. But <laughs> I'm going to be very, very upset. I can't wait for football season when the first game he plays, he has like four touchdowns. And you're like, that was the best pick ever made. That doesn't sound at all like me as a fan. And, <laughs> and I will still be like, great, we're going to win four games this year, and he's going to be the best running back in the league. It doesn't matter. The point is we are four days away from all of these rumors, predictions, and speculating coming to fruition. And I can't wait to talk all about it and analyze it next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited just to stop talking about speculation, and I'm just excited to finally have a board up. And if the Jets draft Baker Mayfield, I'm done. I'm a Jaguars fan. Well, it sounds like both of our teams, uh, there may not be a future Yankee Clipper podcast if Saquon goes two and Baker goes three. Hopefully, the organizations that we root for are more competent than we're giving them credit for at this point. I think that you have a better bet with with the Giants than with the Jets. Well, the track record certainly shows that, but yeah. we'll see what happens. But I think we can wrap this up, Tom. We've had a good conversation. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. We'll be starting the second round next week. Um, baseball Absolutely. season, a lot changes. Um, we'll see what Gliber can do uh, in his first week. Yankees got to get on a roll. Um, let's see if Boston can keep up what they're doing. Maybe not to the same clip, but we'll see. And then we're going to have a full NFL draft to, to talk about. Yeah, like I said earlier, if we can manage it, we might do two podcasts, just a quick NFL draft recap, uh, rapid reaction, and then our normal Sunday. So do the right thing, Jets, please. Do Giants, the right thing. Please Fuck no the Saquon. Please no Saquon. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.